Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. (sighs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Adam. Yes, this is really funny. embarrassing. Oh, this is really embarrassing. So I raised my arms the other day. I was looking in the mirror in the bathroom, and uh-huh. not only were they crepey, but it was crepey partway down my forearm. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> I just thought I had something to share. Yeah, but usually you just say good luck. Okay. Okay. Good luck, Adam. <laughs> That's better, I guess. Would would anybody like to just talk about an oddly growing toe? Does anyone mind if I start the show? <laughs> I was just thinking, like, at that point, do you just wear short sleeve shirts and figure, oh fuck it. <laughs> Guys, this is the part where we play that little piece of audio to go Starburns audio, and I start, right? <laughs> yeah, would you? Yes. Starburns audio. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, those good-for-nothing screen devices. Okay, well, they're good for one thing, listening to this podcast. Oh, and for listening to old episodes of this podcast, like that one with John Cleese. But except for instances like that, those devices are dangerous and bad. Really. So, put it down. Wait, no, 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 no. Listen to this podcast and then put it down, because we're talking about screen addiction with Dr. Hillary Cash. So, put that screeny thing down right now, in an hour or so. And you've waited a week, but we're finally going to make time to accentuate stuff we all agree is great. Like, for example, you. And us. It's our warm and fuzzy mailbag positivity edition. (laughs) I'm Adam Felber, this podcast's operating system. Behind the scenes, rearranging those ones and zeros like so many towels and deck chairs to create a seamless and luxurious user experience. And now, please welcome the woman who you're sure is going to make sense if you just get through one more level. The human equivalent of Candy Crush, it's Paula Poundstone. Welcome, Paula. 
I think I have an ingrown hair. Is this the time to bring it up? <laughs> yeah, I, for everybody out there, I want to apologize for whatever happened during our cold open. Well, I was trying to be honest. You, do, you know what? She, yeah, I don't think it was the time. And, and I don't, I'm not sure honesty is what that is. Um, hey, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I want to thank tonight's house band, returning chip <laughs> Kathleen Strom from Medford, Oregon, on the violin. Thank you, Kathleen. Sounds oh, wonderful. Yeah. I've been to Medford, Massachusetts. In fact, I lived there, but I've never been to Medford, Oregon. Well, that's their loss. Um, <laughs> What's new, Paula? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Medford. The people in Medford, Oregon right now are feeling so empty. Um. You know what? I was fly. I was flying uh, a couple of days ago. Not, not on my own. I was in an airplane, a commercial airplane. <laughs> and as I've told you before, I fly tired, uh, which generally works well because it means I fall asleep on the plane. I put a blanket over my head. I go to sleep. So I did just that. I was flying home to Los Angeles. I go to get off the airplane, and they had the okay. You know how the ramp as you go off. The ramp, sometimes it's a bit of a maze. You know, sometimes it's a ramp that goes to two different flights. So this one, you know, walks straight ahead, and then we turn to the right, and then there was another door down the end of that right-hand turn. So I made the right turn, and I'm heading towards a pair of closed doors with the silver bar that you have to push to get the door to open. As I approach that door, it's now on my left, perpendicular to that is a wide open door. I just didn't see it. So now I walk up and there's nobody in front of me because I guess I was a little slow getting off the plane, but there were some people behind me. So I walk up and I I, I see the silver bar and I push the thing and I'm like, I set the alarm off. And then I realized it did say, do not open. I was going to point out that it usually says do not open. That's the one. Yes, you've been there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm going through this phase of my life where I don't always trust. And so I saw that sign, but I said, <laughs> are they telling me the truth? Um, no, I was just so tired that I didn't really process what I had seen. So now the ticket lady, you know, that was standing there, she comes out and she goes, because uh, I started to walk through that open door. I go, oh, sorry. And... uh and she goes, you have to wait for the police to come. Wow. So now she makes me back up. And, of course, the sound is as loud where I'm standing, right, as it can possibly be. Like, even if I was a criminal, it might be a good idea to have me move so that I didn't go deaf. So finally, I just sort of squatted down where I was. And, you know, people are walking by look, looking at me like a caged animal. I have to stay there till the police come. And, by the way... The police aren't coming. Um, but then a, a, ma a maintenance guy comes and uh, he's looking to, you know, sh to lock the door properly and to turn the alarm off. And uh, she says to him, she has to wait for the police, doesn't she? And he goes, no. And so uh, <laughs> on, the, on the authority of the maintenance guy, I, I get up and left. I, the police may still be on my trail. I don't know. So for the rest of this show, 
Uh, my name is Melanie Stippet. <laughs> Melanie Stippet? Yes, because I'm on the lam right now. <laughs> well, thank you for that story, Melanie. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's do that thing where we call the book club to order. Okay, Adam, can I just say one more thing? You know, the advertisement thing. Uh, yeah. So sometimes these products, they send us their stuff so that we can try it and say, like, yes, I liked it, or, gee, you know. I, I, didn't really I love find it the that... stuff we get from our sponsors. It's, it's fantastic. We get, we get a lot of great stuff. And it may be that this product that I received, it may be terrific. I have no idea. But I, I have to say I'm a little bit offended, which is um, I got a box of stuff um, from a company called Manscaped. It's it's personal hygiene products for men, and by the way, that includes a ball washer. And I just feel wow. Yeah, I mean, and my balls are already so shiny. I can see myself in my balls. I I don't That's need. Great. Yeah. Well, for I have two questions there. Number one, why would they not send me your co-host, who is arguably a man, the manscaping kit? Yeah. That's a good question. And, and and secondly, I'm familiar with a golf ball washer, but what what is a ball washer? It's very much like a golf ball washer. Um, requires a little bit more courage. <laughs> <laughs> is it really a thing that you put your your balls in, Paula? I mean, uh, yeah. Please take it out and tell the tell the audience because yeah, I I never considered goes, that part of my body particularly hard to reach. Yeah, it goes like. Ah! <laughs> I don't want that. Are you serious? Is it is it really a device that washes yeah. your scrotum? And there's like a little brush and a buffer thing, like a, a little uh, a chamois, a, a ball chamois that uh, a ball chamois. Yeah, it's yeah. not electric. It is. <laughs> I want this. I don't even know right, why I, I want it. Yo, know, I want you to have it. Um, all right. <laughs> All right, now I'm calling the book club to order. I never thought I'd be happy to retreat into the book club, but I'm calling the order the book club. Oh, boy. We got a book club. We got a book club. We got a book. A booky book book. Book book. Booky book. Book book. Book club. Wow, that was... Uh... <laughs> What was what was the little flamenco guitar in there? What was that? I did a little vamp in there. What, I heard a little guitar. Where where where'd that come from? No, that was me. I I think I was scatting. No, you were you were no, just going book, was, book 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 like you were having a yeah, seizure. Yeah, I heard okay. a guitar <laughs> sound, buddy. You can't make a uh, you don't make a guitar sound. No, Bonnie, do, I do, do, do have, you have something to tell us about the book? I do. Well, I get it. Okay. I get oh. it. You guys. So we have a nobody from Springfield, Missouri. Is that what you're getting at, Adam? Yes. No, I just, I, 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 have, I have to say something right now, which is, it occurred to me the other day, it's not 26 years we've been working together. It's 27 years. I am a goddamn saint. <laughs> Oh, my God, Paula. We've had a good time. 
Remember that time we were driving on that curvy Mulholland, the really curvy road? <laughs> and we were laughing so hard that we both thought we were going to get in an accident. Yes, I do remember that time. And I remember okay. uh, just as we went around the curve, you went, we're going around a curve. We're going around a curve. Curve, 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 curve. Okay, we got a theme song from a nobody who's in Springfield, Missouri. He's a singer-songwriter, and here's a little plug for him. What's his name? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) His name is Timmy Miano, okay? Timmy Miano. He has an album out right now called Nerd Heart, and it's available on Spotify and most other digital music services, and he's got a lot of other music out there now, and he's a huge fan of our show. A minute ago, you weren't even going to say his name. Now, now you're, yeah. N- now you're I, giving his whole biography for God's no, sake. No, he wrote the nicest email about not only the show but Polly. He's a huge fan of yours, but it was just such a nice email, really. That's nice. I'm glad to hear it, Bonnie. It's just never the right amount with you. I don't want to say brought <laughs> tears to my eyes, but it was extremely warm. Guy is Bonnie. very nice. Yeah, let's Good. go. It's a great. It's a great. <laughs> Theme song. Just Here always, we go. It's get ready. I know. I can't help it. You don't even have to say it. Here we go. <laughs> Twenty-seven years. <laughs> I'm gonna read this book, even if it kills me. I'm gonna read this book till the end. I'm gonna read this book, then I'll read another book. I'm gonna read this book with my friend. book. Even if it fucking kills me, I'm gonna read this fucking book till the fucking end. I'm gonna read this fucking book, then I'll read some other fucking book. I'm gonna read this fucking book with my fucking friends. Fuck, 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 fuck this fucking book. Fuck this fucking book till the end. Now fuck this fucking book. And fuck those other books. Fuck this fucking book and fuck my friends. I said fuck this fucking book and fuck my friends. Wow. Wow. That was fantastic. You know, I feel that he's a little bit influenced by Bonnie. (laughs) Um, Ow. Yeah, there, there's some of the compositional I, style is definitely very similar to what Bonnie did in her so-called scat singing today. He might have come from the lose your leg school. Uh, lose your leg, lose, lose your leg, leg, lose your leg. Oh, my gosh. That was the first one, you guys. Remember that? Well, that was, that was thank you very much for that book club theme song. I, I mean. Tim, it was great. Yeah, that Bonnie, that's how it's done, by the way. You don't actually reference the book that you're reading. It's a overarching book club theme. I said, we've got a book club. We've got a book club. And you know, by the way, it's a very catchy song. A number of people have told me that, and I hum it all the time. Yes, because it's comedy tonight. <laughs> we've from got a, a, oh, fun, yeah. from a funny thing That's happened on the true. way to the forum. <laughs> exactly. That's true. <laughs> you didn't fucking write it, Bonnie. <laughs> 
you're right about that. It's amazing that you, what you're willing to take credit for. Hey, Bonnie, I wrote a catchy book club theme song, too. It goes like this. Hey, book club, don't make it bad. Take a bad book and make it better. Rem- Isn't that catchy? I'm a fucking genius. We've got a real book club. And we've been reading all night long. All the time. Paula, that's so catchy, I was able to sing it along with you the first time. And when you turn the page, you put me in a rage. You make me feel all right. We've got so many good songwriters on this show. It's amazing. All right. Okay. Calling this to order, we read chapters 76 through 85 of Eat, Pray, Love. Book club, book club, book club, book club, sing it over, book club. It's time for the book club, time for the book club, time for the book club, bookity club. <laughs> this is more entertaining than chapter 76 to 85. I wanted to read a book. And you were with me through the summer. <laughs> I kept uh, on reading while you called a plumber. <laughs> um, all right, I have a terrible confession to make. What's that? You know, I've been listening to uh, Eat, Pray, Love and yes. uh, Eat, Pray, Fuck and... I didn't know this could happen with an audiobook, but it, it got overdue because I was listening to it from a library. So when it was due, they just it just went off my phone. So I went to listen and it wasn't there anymore. And that's why I would like to read to you right now from a, a book called The Andy Griffith Show. The character <laughs> Van B, played by Francis Bavier, provided a stable domestic center for Andy and Opie. Like Griffith, Knotts, and Dodson, she had a strong theatrical background. Born in New York City, she attended Columbia University and the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. After graduating from the Academy in 1925, this is Aunt B. Uh, does anybody want to talk about Aunt B for a minute? Um, Paula Poundstone, you didn't read the chapters. I was unable to. I, 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 I hate to do this, but... I moved to censure Paula Poundstone for for not Don't reading the chapters. Don't censure me! <laughs> Do I have a second? And I was censured in the T- spring. Tony? Okay, I'm not censuring her because I forgot to read them and was trying to read them while we were looking for our, our sound engineer. And I didn't Wait, make it. you didn't oh read them either? God. I forgot. This I forgot. is. <laughs> I moved this. to censure Tony and Paula. Bonnie, do you second that? I completely forgot. Bonnie, do you second this? Bonnie? Book club. Turn the pages and join our book club. She didn't read. No, I Bonnie, did Bonnie, did you read? Nope. Oh, my God. <laughs> Am I the only one who read the book? No, you know what? I did listen to some of it last night. Go ahead. Tell tell me what happened. Pro tem of the book club. I am censuring the three of yous. This is shameful. uh, uh, President President Tempura. um, It's pro tem. Which is he has a little um, 
he has a little uh, like a flower base, uh, and he's and he's uh, a little bit fried. Um, so, all right, tell me what happens in these chapters because I did listen to some of it. Okay, I'll tell you what happens because you know what? There is no way I'm going to slow this train down so that we have to do the same chapters next week because it's just. It's just too much. (laughs) Um, I agree. Okay, so in chapters 76 through 85 of Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert uh, gets closer to that medicine man in uh, Bali, and she ends up winning him over, and he ends up telling her that she's kind of more spiritual and gifted than anybody he's ever met, and teaches (laughs) her uh, meditation practices that that he's never taught white people before. And she meets a lot of special people (laughs) who think that she's special. No and, wait, uh, didn't she didn't she get injured and then she got an infection? Oh yeah, she got hit by a bus. She got hit by a bus? <laughs> she did? Yeah, she got, yeah, she got hit by a bus. That. A small bus and, she, and her leg gets infected and she gets sent off to a doctor. Wait. Except, she, okay, wait. All right, there is a part that you're missing, which is okay. when the medicine man explains to her why he's a medicine man. And he he didn't really want to be a medicine man. He wanted to be a painter. That's right. That's right. And so he gets up early in the morning and paints. Right. And he had to be a medicine man because I think his father and his grandfather were medicine men, and they felt that he was magical and needed to do this. Seven generations. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize uh-huh. it was seven generations. But And then he knocks um, over a lamp and burns his arm, and uh, nobody can fix his arm, and it starts getting infected, and he might have to have it taken off. And then he has a dream wherein his father and his grandfather say, hey, rub this kind of herb on your arm. And he wakes up and does it, and his arm heals, and that's when he knows he's going to be a medicine man. Oh, I forgot that part. Um, <laughs> okay, but before we close out these chapters, which, by the way, was it 76 through 85, I would also just like to include that um, the Andy Griffith show provided Frances uh, Bavier uh, with her longest and most successful run from 1960 to 1971. Um, she was the fussing and matronly Aunt B. And her acting was always precise. Okay. And with that, I'm going to call today's book club to a a close. (laughs) Read the book next week, people. Hey, Paula, speaking about books, you have a big one called a dictionary, don't you? You know, Adam, I do have a dictionary, but I do not have a word this week. I have a word usage... Intervention. Oh. A break from tradition here. I was watching the news a couple of weeks ago. I heard a clip of what I believe was a local elected official somewhere in the country, you know, talking at a podium or something. And this elected official was making a speech, and she said she could not support the passage of the infrastructure bill. Infrastructure, of either Uh infrastructure bill, because the second one, known as the human infrastructure bill or the, what else, the Build Back Better, or the one that requires, uh, what, reconciliation, that one. Uh, The one that would pay for child care, pre-K, national paid family leave, expanding caregiving for the disabled and the elderly, free community college, expanding Medicare, and funding initiatives to combat climate change. That one. She said, those things are not infrastructure. And at first I thought I was being picky about her pronunciation of infrastructure. It's not really a substantive complaint. But then she said, let me give you an example. It's like if my husband and I agree that the car needs an oil change and I say, I'll take it in. And I come back with a brand new Ferrari. 
That's when I realized that her pronunciation of infrastructure was a gateway drug, and it led to the hard stuff, not knowing the meaning of the word example. <laughs> I believe, Republican elected official, that with your car story, you have attempted to give us an analogy, and not a good one, but it is not an example. Here's what the Merriam-Webster Dictionary website calls a full definition of analogy, a comparison of two otherwise unlike things based on resemblance of a particular aspect, right? That was an analogy. This has been an example of a word use intervention. <laughs> Bravo. So elected official, wherever you are, it's infrastructure. There's an R in it. Infrastructure. <laughs> so if you're just tuning in, uh, our book club revealed that nobody read the book and our vocabulary song was canceled on account of an intervention. <laughs> A word usage intervention. Yes. Sorry, it was critical. Uh, it was critical. <laughs> There's just no uh, way to keep rails on this show. This show is nowhere near rails. All right, coming up, Aldous Huxley said... Technological progress has merely provided us with more efficient means for going backwards. And then he elaborated, see, I pulled this little bird backwards and it slingshots that way and knocks down the piggy's buildings. Oh boy, is this great. We talk screen addiction next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. 
That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know... Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. 
I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. A detective came and knocked on the door and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? On this day in unremarkable history, Richard Rogers said... Could you please stop saying la every time I say so? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, house band Kathleen Strom. Now, Paula Poundstone, uh, we have a hobby that we share. And we didn't even know it until recently. We both love those congressional hearings. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a big C-SPAN watcher. I didn't watch all of the Facebook's hearings, uh, but I watched uh, some of them. And, of course, it turns out that Facebook knew that with Instagram and then their algorithms that they were harming people, children in particular. And uh, as you know, my son had had, uh, trouble with electronics addiction uh, as he was growing up. I told my assistant, I said, we have to put in a, a, a separate phone line because now that this information about Facebook has gone out to the public. Uh, I'm going to be getting a lot of calls from my son's teachers when he was growing up, from therapists, from various interventionists. (laughs) Everyone's going to call, you know, to apologize and tell me that I was right the whole time. So, I, I, you know, apparently it's the phone's not hooked up right because I haven't haven't heard it. No, no. You know what? By a, by a crazy coincidence, we have a guest here who is an expert on the subject of screen addiction and stuff like that. Wait a minute. That's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, you know her too. Yeah. 
I, she just what happened to be walking by. She was. Uh, I had. A, I had a pie cooling on my windowsill, and she was. Uh, <laughs> she was kind of drawn to the aroma, and I. I said, oh, you know what the heck? Why don't you just come in and join us? Um, Dr. Hillary Cash is a co-founder and chief clinical officer at the Restart Center for Digital Technology Sustainability. For the last 20 years, she has specialized in the emerging field of internet and video game addiction. In 2008, she co-authored Video Games and Your Kids, How Parents Stay in Control. Please welcome Dr. Hillary Cash. Yay! Hillary, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, I'm, I'll make sure you get a slice of that pie before you go. Um, <laughs> a lot of people think that there is no such thing as screen addiction. Will you tell them what brings people to your place, Restart? I tell them that they are ignorant and that they haven't <laughs> been reading the right uh, scientific literature, which at this point is very, very clear that there is such a thing as screen addiction. And, uh, you know, they have the neuroimaging proof that the same pathways in the brain are lighting up that light up when people are, you know, on some drug that they've ingested. So they're just, uh, they they just haven't been reading the science. So when... When people come to you, I mean, what is like a story you could, and yeah, I do know Hillary. I sought her help years ago trying to figure out how to cope with my son's problem. And at that time, there were no programs for children. There was no recognition of this problem in kids or very little. I shouldn't say none, but very little. And uh, it was an uphill slog. So what kind of stories came to you that made you know that this was a real thing? Well, um, you know, it was back in the 90s that I was in my own just little world of private practice. But I had people coming in who were clearly addicted to some aspect of the Internet. Uh, The very first person was a a gamer addicted to a multi-user domain game of Dungeons and Dragons. He had lost a job at Microsoft. He was in the process of losing a second job. He was losing his marriage. Um, And it was just classic. And I didn't know anything about it, but he opened a window and sort of gave me a peek into this world I knew nothing about. And then other clients were coming in addicted to day trading, addicted to pornography, addicted to uh, you know, a writer's uh, forum, a married woman carrying on an affair and on and on and on. So just all through the 90s, uh, I was well aware that there was a problem and super frustrated that there wasn't some place to send these clients who needed a specialized facility. They didn't need to go for drug and alcohol treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they you know, they had different personalities. They really required something tailored to their needs. Wow. Let me ask you something. When I was growing up, I had a couple of friends that watched television all the time. Like that's just what they were doing when they weren't doing something they had to do. Um, Is that different? And if so, how is that different from the modern internet and gaming addiction? Well, first of all, let me say that you just, in a way, provided the answer to the question because you said that's what they did all the time when they didn't have something else they had to do. The very definition of addiction is that all those other things that you have to do, you don't do them because you're going to be sitting and watching television or playing a video game or looking at porn or 
surfing the net or being on social media. So it's the very definition that in spite of that you neglect uh, all aspects of your life uh-huh. that are important not to neglect and that and as a result, there are negative consequences. You've essentially lost control. So there is a difference. Um, I mean, the thing about television it's not, for one thing, it's not interactive. Uh, Correct, you and know. that's important. Um, and the other thing is, uh, although certainly something like, uh, you know, d- d- serialized HBO, Netflixy series um, uses that cliffhanger stuff the same way uh, soap operas did, you know, yeah. to make you want to tune in to the next episode. Um, b- but television overall is not designed to be addictive, what makes these devices, apps and games, well, what makes them addictive? What do they do? Well, um, the people who are designing these things uh, hire psychologists to help them figure out uh, and, and, and create laboratories in which they can uh, look at how much people are sweating, the dilation of pupils at certain moments, uh, and the psychologists are helping them understand uh, what reward ratio they need to design into their apps or their video games in order to keep people hooked. It's called, one term for it is the stickiness factor. I would call it the addiction factor. <laughs> and so they're just, they just really know how to create an immersive experience that draws people, is mesmerizing, and keeps them there. Isn't that, like, if you're a lawyer and you practice in a way that is abusive, you can get disbarred. How come people who, that are psychologists, that lend their understanding of the human brain and human behavior to such an endeavor, how come they don't lose their couch? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a really good question. And actually, there was a letter that was created by a psychologist, Richard Freed, directed to the American Psychological Association. And he had many of us sign on to it, essentially asking that question, you know, saying, we are, we take an oath to do no harm. And yet we, many in our number, hired themselves out to essentially do harm by creating these addictive applications. Also, psychologists, um, you know, were never never lost their couches for helping to advertise cigarettes and liquor, and casinos. Did they? Yeah. Well, yeah. Every advertising agency has a psychologist or two looking at stuff. Um, no, but no, advertising agencies have psychologists because advertisers just. Uh, flip out eventually. That's in-house. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's, that's, oh, come on. If, if you're the guy who invented the Energizer Bunny, you think you don't just have a breakdown one day? Yeah, yeah, well, that, that guy probably di- did. Yeah, yeah. But let, 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 me, let me jump in here before every pa- parent in, in within the sound of our voice panics. What, how do you tell a kid who loves their social media or loves their video games from a kid who has an addiction to those? Is there where they're neglecting other things that they should be doing? Yes. The short answer to that is yes. And, uh, and they are, you know, they don't want to get off of their devices. They want to continue doing it so that that's the most important thing. They're preoccupied 
with it, they, they become usually sort of sneaky and manipulative or throwing temper tantrums in order to gain, regain access to their devices. They're not getting enough sleep because of their devices. They're not getting their homework done because of their devices. They're fighting with the family because of their devices. You know, these are the things that parents need to be looking for and aware of and take some measures to, you know, take some corrective action. You guys, at one point you were going to start a kids program, did you? We did. And it's um, it's almost five years old now. Yeah. And so a kid comes and they are, I mean, I don't think people realize uh, well, I know because I talked to people about this a lot over the years and I don't think they understood the kinds of things that were missing in a kid's life that wouldn't do anything but this. So here's the, here's the kind of the typical profile of, of the teenagers who come to us. They are usually, you know, bright and, and likable people. Sometimes they have a, a secondary, a, a second diagnosis of maybe Asperger's, you know, high mm-hmm. functioning on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. or they have ADHD. They all are depressed. They all are highly anxious. They are fighting with their parents, often because of the parents' efforts to make them get their schoolwork done, go to bed you know, get off the screens. And and those are often violent fights. Many of them have just stopped going to school. They just refuse to go to school or their grades are dropping, plummeting because they're not getting their schoolwork done. Um, they are sleep deprived. They're exercise deprived. They're socially isolated. Yeah, that's the typical. Wow. Yeah, it's like any other kind of addiction. Um, uh, the only difference I think is that we don't generally give our kids a glass of scotch when they're three. Um, I mean, somebody oh, may have, I got to write that but, down. Oh boy. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a, I, that's a cautionary that, thing right that there. That horse has left the stable. <laughs> but I put my son in front of a computer when he was three, because I believed from what I had heard that it was somehow giving him a leg up that he was going to have, you know, skills, you know, uh, the, and the, no, <laughs> not really. No. Well, you know, George Lucas said, technology keeps moving forward, which makes it easier for the artists to tell their stories and paint the pictures they want, which sounds totally right until you watch The Phantom Menace. We'll unplug some more when we come back. <laughs> the Cat of the Week is Lita from Arlington, Virginia. back out on the road again and i might be performing in your area soon why should you give a flying fuck you're thinking well i'm telling you for two reasons first of course as a warning in case you want to get away before i get there but also this means that i can finally restock my supply of hotel soap prizes that i can autograph so that we can send them to listeners who send in theme songs um I have to confess, by the way, that it had been so long since I did that that I sent a bunch to Tony without autographs. 
I, I, I send them to Tony Anita Hall so that she can send them to the listeners because she does it more cheaply than I do it because sometimes they arrive to the listener COD. So if you get an unautographed one, you can send it back to me and I'll sign it and send it back to you. And in this way, we can keep the post office going. So check out my tour page at paulapoundstone.com to see when I'm going to be near you. Get vaccinated, get masked, and come see me in a theater somewhere. Listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Al Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. Oh, we're trying to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Right. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertain. <laughs> This month is... Wow! Oh, Maze, why'd you say that? Supercharge it. (laughs) So that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. (laughs) The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling New Age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy-mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar, and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating. And my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven yep. science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod.
are back with Dr. Hillary Cash. Paula. So what do you do to help people at your place? What are the what what techniques do you use? How long do they generally stay? And what uh, I assume the program is very similar for kids. It is similar for kids. So but I'll describe what we do in the adult program. Mm -hmm. The intensive is three months long. Um, and it might go longer if somebody's really not ready to transition out of it. But in general, it's three months long. They come, the first half of that is spent at a ranch with animals, caring for animals. And what we're doing is we're trying to lay the foundations of health, which means get, get them through their detox, which lasts up to a month, um, during which time they're bored and restless and irritable and not sleeping well. but during that time, they're also getting exercise, being social, taking care of chores, learning the activities of daily living like cooking, um, and catching up on sleep. And by the end of a month, they're usually feeling much better. And as long as they are functioning adequately, um, they can move on to the uh, Pathways House where they now... Well, when, let me backtrack. At the ranch, they were coming to our center three days a week. When they go to Pathways, they're coming in four days a week. And the at the center, they're getting their individual counseling, lots, endless numbers of groups, uh, socializing with one another, and so forth. They are also now at Pathways starting to work on their life balance plan, which is making them think through how to tackle technology impact me and how am I going to reconnect with it in a healthy way going forward? Uh, once they have a good plan, they're functioning well in the program, they've got a good recovery mindset. It's like they know they need to change in order to be healthy going forward. Um, they, ca they can, if they choose, go into our second program called Open World. And Open World is where they live in apartments near Near our center, they're getting part-time jobs. Uh, a few of them are starting to go back to college because almost all of them have failed out of college. Wow. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. And and still coming to the center for their therapy and group therapy and all that. And I just want to say that I failed out of high school before it was even hip. <laughs> and you didn't do it with games. You did it without yeah. games. No, there were no computers. I just did it the old-fashioned way. I'm proud of you, Paula. Um, yeah. uh, Hillary, I, I want to ask you a, a question. I guess it's kind of a two-parter, but uh, about the whole screen addiction thing, which is, is it the screens that's the problem? And I guess the reason I'm asking that is because both children and adults have so much that they have to do on computers. Like, is there something about uh, a Zoom class or uh, an assignment that you have to input into a computer that makes it risky for somebody who has uh, an addiction to a game or a social media thing? Um. I don't think the screens themselves are addictive. I think that little kids can get mesmerized by mm -hmm. just there being something moving. It, it doesn't matter. They may have no comprehension of what they're seeing, but they're, they'll be mesmerized just by the movement alone. Oh, dogs but, too. And exactly. And all through, but kids, you know, like through throughout the school years, um, Schooling itself is probably not going to be a high dopamine activity. Think in terms of high and low dopamine activities. That's dopamine in the brain, very much associated with 
addiction. And it's those high dopamine activities like gaming and social media and other things that we do and like to do online that give us a lot of dopamine. Those are the things that have the potential to be addictive. So just trudging through schoolwork or paid work online is not likely to get you addicted. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not addicted to writing. Um, <laughs> although although yeah, I, do, I do get a little tingly when I do the dishes. You know, um, <laughs> you know I th he, they, we do this thing socially about about the idea of these kinds of technologies that I think is a terrible mistake, which is, you know how everybody tells the story? Everybody will say, like if I said, uh, oh my gosh, I couldn't figure out, um, you know, how to get on the blah, blah, blah on my computer. It's always somebody would say, well, do you have a kid? Kids could do it. Kids are born into the world. They're hardwired for doing that. So not true. That is so not true. Kids are not hardwired for doing Nobody was born into the world with that ability. Have they maybe spent more time at it than me? Yes. There's this idea that all these technologies are like made for young people and that the reason, you know, old people aren't good for uh, with is because they're old. And I think it's a mistake to think of it that way. Um uh, because people, because then what it makes people do is not care about the fact that their kids using that thing too much, because they think, well, that's what kids do, you yeah. know, as if it's generational. It is not generational. All, all our brains are pretty much, you know, our brains were kind of the same when we were born. Well, of course, Paula, you're right that we're all born with brains that are simply uh, ready to learn and. They will learn according to what stimuli you give them. And so if what you put into their hands are screens, they will, at an early age, become very adept in manipulating screens. Yes. If you were giving them something else, they would be adept at that. So, yeah, that's all it is. I wish I had put my son in front of a loom yeah, you'd have been good. Have I would been be. Good at it. No I would doubt. be living off of the Weaver proceeds right now. Um, you guys remember when we saw the like little toilet training device that had the holder for the iPad on it? Yeah, yeah. called an iPoddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I mean, just the name alone, right? Already, already, somebody should be hauled away in handcuffs just for the name. Uh, but like. The best conversations you will ever have with your kid in their and your entire life is when you're waiting for them uh, using the bathroom. And the idea that you would put a screen in front of them for that is just yeah. such a waste. Or um, think about the car drive, how valuable, if, if nobody's on a screen in the car, car drives are like the best to get conversations going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of our conversations were, uh, Mom, you're going to hit that guy. That was a lot of <laughs> <laughs> So the kids couldn't be on the screen devices or I would, you know, I needed them to be vigilant. All right, um, so are there parameters that you recommend for uh, the amount of time different age groups are on the, on the screen devices? Yeah, yeah. Both time and content both count. 
So, uh, and so uh, what I'm going to recommend is kind of pre-COVID because we, we've had to ease up on, you know, we have to just understand that kids are going to be on screens more during COVID, but so this is pre-COVID and post-COVID uh, kind of recommendations. Zero to two, best if they don't have any access to screens whatsoever. You know, even passive television, best not to let them spend time in front of even that. Mm -hmm. uh, from three to five years old, um, an hour a day uh, might be okay. And probably just television, something like a movie on TV or some interesting show that's appropriate for their age, um, but not interactive. The interactive stuff is more immersive, more addictive. Uh, once they get into, you know, the six to 12 year old range, no more than two hours a day of all screen time, that includes television. Mm -hmm. So this is very conservative, but it is conservative because kids need lots and lots and lots of non-screen ex life experience. They need to be creative, they need to play, they need to move, they need to explore. And too much screen time interferes with all of that. I don't think kids climb trees at all anymore, do they? Well. Uh, yeah, they do a little bit. No, I think you have to, um, you have to use like a catapult and thrust uh, no, them up into the tree. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> not true, Paula. And then they only climb down. I don't think they climb up. Um, Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, the reality the way, is the reality is that kids are not spending nearly enough time outdoors overall. And the amount of time spent outdoors has been dropping and dropping and dropping. So uh, it's a big problem because it's what kids actually very much need. Do you guys remember there was a PSA, a public service announcement several years back now where they it was encouraging children to go outside and explore like woods and stuff. But so it showed these couple of kids, like real people walking around the woods and a kid rolls over a log, which by the way, was a thing that I did when I was a kid. I was forever getting salamanders and toads and things. I loved all that stuff. But this kid rolls over a log and in the commercial, she, she goes, oh, and she sees a frog and an animated frog comes out. Oh. It was oh, so no. screwed up. It was, but, but this is my point. It's like we have this way of addressing, like, as if, oh, well, you couldn't just show a kid a real-life toad or a real-life salamander because kids aren't interested in that. They'll only be attracted if it's, you know, if it's like a bright green animated frog. You're like, okay, no, no, no. Here's the... Here's a sad thing. There's a wonderful um, writer. His, his last name is McFarlane. He's British. And he has created a couple of books. Uh, Lost Spells is one of them. And what he discovered to his horror is that the Oxford English Dictionary for Children has been dropping words of, that describe nature for, for tech kind of words. Wow. And he was so horrified that he he wrote, he, he's trying to, you know, hang on to these words and he's created poems uh, for them, for oh. children that are very beautiful. Interesting. 
Uh, wow. You know, you alluded to um, pre-COVID and post-COVID. What has happened, you know, in during this year and a half of, you know, distance learning and kids aren't allowed to socialize? They've had to move both their school and their social lives onto screens. Are, are there any statistics yet? What, what What's happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's called the COVID effect. That's one way it's referred to. And the screen use by children even just a year ago had doubled and it is oh. continuing to go up. There is increased uh, anxiety, increased depression, increased obesity, uh, increased aggression, developmental problems are... Uh, they're worried about developmental problems because of the drop in play and socializing and in exploring the world. So yes, this is a big problem. COVID has created a big problem. And what I see happening, you know, because of my relationship to restart is that kids who overused already, but we might not have thought of them, their, their gaming was maybe, their gaming or internet use was maybe problematic, but it not didn't really meet criteria for addiction. Mm -hmm. I would call them sort of teetering on the edge of the cliff. Uh, COVID has caused a lot of them to just fall right over. Most of the calls we are getting now are, be it adolescents or uh, young adults, is, is indeed... Uh, People calling saying, you know, my kid was doing okay before COVID, but COVID was a disaster for him. And now he's, you know, yeah. he's addicted. Well, we did want to give parents a resource, um, both for advocating, because I still firmly believe that um, computers should be limited much more in the classroom and in homework than they are now. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with paper and pencils and a nice textbook. And uh, those things don't cause vision problems. And they don't, you, I've never known anybody addicted to a pencil and paper. Uh, doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but I don't know them. And, uh, you know, to have more reasonable, less risky use of these things in the classroom, I believe is, and we, and I think we have a mutual friend, Hillary, who got a law made in the state of Maryland, I believe it was, uh, where they restricted the time. And the way they did it was they went after the eye issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But are there advocacy groups or places where, uh, or places where parents uh, can, um, uh, you know, get support and information? Couple of things to suggest. Um, there is an organization called Screen Strong, uh, started by Melanie Hempy, and they are both support and advocacy. So parents can check in with them and will can get up to date on various ways to become advocates. Um, Common Sense Media is a place parents can turn to and learn a great deal about what's going on with media development. And an organization called Children and Screens um, the Institute for Digital Media and Child Development. And in the Boston area, there's a wonderful organization um, called the Screen Time Action Network. So these are all places where people can connect, get support, uh, learn, you know, become well-educated on 
child development and screen use and that kind of thing. That's fantastic. Cool. Thank you. Well, Hillary, that was excellent. And now we're going to run all of the information you've just given us through the old Pounstonator. Paula? House band Kathleen Stram from Medford, Oregon on the violin. Thank you so much for dragging that bow across the string so beautifully for us. If you can give me a little background music, I'll tell you what the old Pounstonator spit out. Thank you, Dr. Hillary Cash. You are a wealth of knowledge on this difficult, difficult problem. I hope everyone heard every word. And if you missed some, back up and listen again. This is about protecting our children's brains and health. Instead of saying to your kid, all right, it's time to get off that computer game, wouldn't you rather say, you got pine sap all over your pants? If you're stuck saying, I thought I told you to get off that computer game multiple times a day, having to say, well, I don't care what your friends were doing. When you walk on the sidewalk with your ice skates on, it ruins the blades. Is a dream come true? When you have to say, I can see that it's a different game, I meant get off of all games, and saying, well, can you see now that a greenhouse doesn't make a good first base? Sounds wonderful. When you've had to say, you broke the door so you could get to the game, saying, it doesn't matter that Harry Potter released a snake from a zoo, that's very dangerous and illegal. You take that snake back to the exhibit. Sounds like a joyful, teachable moment. She is the co-founder and chief clinical officer at the Restart Center for Digital Technology Sustainability. Thank you so much, Dr. Hillary Cash, everybody. Hillary, thank you so much. This was wonderful. It's been my pleasure. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Coming up, it took an extra week, but we kept the bag sealed to ensure freshness. It's Mailbag Positivity Edition. Coming up next. Fun fact, whilst pecking, woodpeckers keep their tongue wrapped around their brain to protect it. And still, tragically, few of them ever get to college. <laughs> Thank you, Kathleen. Adam, answer the phone. What? Answer the phone. Paula, Paula. <laughs> the finish line. I feel like I'm, I see the finish line just ahead. If I could just Take get your there. eyes off the finish line and answer the phone. I do not want to. Okay. Hello. Hello, Adam. It's Fairbanks Elementary School second grade teacher, Miss Nancy. And I am so happy to speak with you. Hi, Miss Nancy. How are you? I am very well. Thank you. My students are back in the classroom and I love it. Last year was so hard. <laughs> that's, that's great. Are you, are you staying safe? Miss Nancy is vaccinated. <laughs> I wear my mask. My students wear their masks. And we don't go to any school board meetings in order to avoid the Proud Boys. <laughs> Good for you. Um, I, apl I applaud you doing everything you can to stop this virus. Teachers really are on the front lines, and we should support them in every way we can. I firmly believe that. Thank you, Adam. And it's funny you should mention that because I wanted to ask you for your help on career day. Uh oh. 
you would be a perfect presenter because you are a podcaster with Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Uh And you are on every show. It's so important for my kids to know that, you know, about your work ethic. You don't just do a couple of shows. You do every one. That's an important lesson. (laughs) I would be honored to be a career day presenter, Miss Nancy, but... uh... It's it, attendance isn't my only skill. I mean, I'm also a writer. Oh, that's wonderful. That's such an important lesson for my students that no matter how much they follow their dreams, one job just won't pay the bills. What have you <laughs> written? Well, you know what? It's a great coincidence that you brought it up because my new book, Confessions of a Puppet Master uh, with Charles Band, is about to be released. And breaking news, it got its first review from Booklist, and it was terrific. It said in part, quote, reads like a Tarantino film written by Hunter S. Thompson. My students are in the second grade. They aren't going to know who Hunter S. Thompson is. They're second graders. They, they don't know Tarantino films. I, no, I, I get that. Why would you bring that up? He, he makes very violent films, doesn't he? Isn't he the yeah. one who made the movie with Bruce Willis with the ball strapped to his mouth? That's Pulp Fiction, yeah, but... <laughs> They're second graders. Have, have you written anything about kittens or maybe ducks having an adventure? No. A- and by that, I don't mean having a ball strapped to their mouths. Uh, no, you know what? <laughs> You're busy on career day. I'm sure of it. Thanks anyway. I got to go. The kids are coming back from art. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. I almost had a career day gig there, Paula. Boy, yeah. Screwed that up. Why would you bring up Hunter S. Thompson? She teaches second grade. What do you think? It's, re- it's an actual review I got. I wasn't suggesting that I, you know, the kids learn about Hunter S. Thompson. You got to know your audience. Um, uh, anyway, Paula, <laughs> yeah. we, we, do, we are here for a purpose. Um, one of the purposes is to let everybody know that our Zoom contest, wherein you could win a party with 50 of your closest friends and me and Paula, just closed. It closed like minutes ago, and we will be announcing the winner of that contest next week. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, I'm so excited to pick the winner. But you know what? It's a little sad that, that, that it's closing because shitloads of people are going to be disappointed. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, but we are going to pick a winner and that person is going to be very happy. All right, let's move on. Paula, you know what it's time for. What? I'm pretty excited about it because we haven't done it in a while. It's time for mailbag. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, what was I thinking? Um, oh, no. Okay. Go ahead. Tell me what it's time for. It's time for mailbag. Oh, shit. No, it's like a doorbell. Ding dong. There it is. Yes. Positivity edition. Yes. Positivity edition. Now, the the idea behind this, Paula, is a lot of our mailbags and other listener participation things lately have been people say negative things to us, and we kind of sometimes get snippy with them, sometimes try to take it constructively. Yeah. But we decided for this edition of Mailbag... Positivity edition. We were going to just take look at some of the the sunnier, happier, and and more random things to come across our mailbag with the positivity edition. Tony Nidahoe, without googling. Oh, oh yes. Can you step up to the mic and <laughs> offer us the first item from our mailbag? Positivity edition. Okay, here we go. Um, Wait, so Tony, what are you doing? From- Tony, what are you doing? 
Mailbag. <laughs> Positivity edition. Oh, no. Okay. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, do mailbag. Okay, our first one. Okay. Positivity right. edition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> our first one is from John Simpkin. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. I've really got it now. John wrote in, thank you for the presentation on the Czech Republic. Somehow I now know less about it than I did last week. That's been a I bit of a this- controversial item on this show, I got to say. Um, we did, uh, Bonnie and Tony did a report on the Czech Republic, which at the time I found a little bit lacking in kind of a Czech flavor. And I, I guess John Simpkin agrees with me. Um, you know what? I felt it. I felt it was more of a Czech's mix. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, a salty uh, snack that I get at the airport sometimes when I have a sore throat. Yeah, it was it was closer to that than a, a travelogue of the uh, uh, Czech Republic. He did have a nice, sunny, and positive attitude when he talked about it just there, I think, right? Oh, well, in a way. He said, yeah. he said, thank you for the presentation. He said, thank you. Well, okay, Absolutely. what he didn't say, but if you read between the lines, um, you do see it, is that uh, he had been burdened by that which he did know about the Czech Republic. And so you lifted his burden by having him know less about it after your presentation. Absolutely. Anybody familiar with the history of the Czech Republic, obviously, I would feel good to be unburdened of that knowledge. And we were glad to do that for you, John Simpkin. <laughs> Mailbag. <laughs> Positivity edition. Uh, Tony, let's have another one. Yes. This is from Scott T. regarding my hiatus. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Um, Scott T. wrote, well, I'm guessing at this point Tony is off the show. I was getting a funny (laughs) vibe for the last few months with the way she was not fitting in, and it seemed like Paula was taking lots of opportunities through the show to disagree with her. Sorry to see her go. She added a younger element to the mix. Please add back a young person, if that is possible, to keep the show feeling relatable. Oh, well, I guess Scott T., Scott T. honestly couldn't have been much more incorrect. I don't find opportunities to disagree with Tony Anita Hull. Keep in mind that it was Tony Anita Hull who made the suggestion of reading Eat, Pray, Fuck. And so <laughs> I, I did, I, I acquiesced. I went along with it uh, after we had enjoyed uh, Moby Dick. And she wasn't off the show and I agree with you, Scott T., that Tony does provide a, a young element uh, to the mix, as you say. And Tony, you were no point <laughs> off the show. You were just on an adventure, right? I was on an adventure, exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. you know, it's a lot happened. It's funny. Um, I saw Tony, I, what was it, last week, I think? Um, I happened to be in the valley, and I saw her on 
one of those little plastic cars, and her <laughs> nanny was pushing the car w- with the plastic handle. And Tony was um, Tony was eating from a bag of goldfish. Uh, I do love goldfish. It, exactly. Exactly. And then to my horror that Nanny leaned down and used a nose Frida uh, uh, on Tony. (laughs) And I realized that it was lucky for me that they stopped there. Um, (laughs) What? Paula, I can't help that you've uh, kind of expanded your little mailbag theme song. (laughs) Yeah, that thing. Yeah, that that right there. Um, do you know where I got this Glockenspiel? Um, was uh, <laughs> it was in the gift bag at Tony's birthday party when she turned four last week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we should probably move on because it's a little late for Tony to be up. <laughs> okay, okay. Tony, what what's next? What's next? This is from Chebus P. I listen to you on the toilet. Well, that's it. Um, that's the email. That's the email. I listen to you on the toilet. Um, you know, I think what Chebus is saying is that like Tony, she's being toilet trained. <laughs> and so Oh my god. Um, <laughs> So her parents put on something, you know, for her to listen to or her nanny while, uh, you know, while she's using the toilet, which I think is fantastic. I'm very flattered. Uh, I'm very I'm I'm flattered to be a part of a podcast that um, Chibis takes uh, with her him or her him or her everywhere they go. I am, too. Chibis. You keep listening and you keep doing whatever else you're doing there. Uh, Tony, come on up. Let's have don't another one. No, Chibis, don't have sex while we're. Don't take us into. Yeah. Oh, come that, on. That's we're close. the best. <laughs> I have had so many nobodies come up to me, you know, uh, on the street and just say, listen, I always have sex to your podcast. Ew. That's very positive. And they say, and then they add, and we try to time our climaxes to Bonnie Burns' theme song. Uh- Okay, okay. Hey, that one. I'm just reporting what I'm told. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Okay, we have okay. a book club. We have a, oh. Okay. <laughs> I never, I never realized till just now how empty my life is. <laughs> Positivity yeah. edition. Yeah. Tony, let's have another one. This is from Rowan Rose. They wrote us a very lovely email. Uh, I just heard the section of mailbag that was full of criticisms from grumpy listeners. Oh. Positivity edition. I just, I want to tell you that I love the show and enjoy listening to all of you every week. I also like how you handled those assholes. If they don't like the podcast that much, they can just unsubscribe. You've been a source of joy during a very dark time. I appreciate you all very much. 
Rowan Rose. Wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, Rowan Rose. Rowan, ho- hold on there just a second, Rowan. We don't want anybody unsubscribing. Um, it's fine that they don't like it. It's so long as they listen anyways. Exactly. I agree, Paul. If you don't like this podcast, well, you just keep fucking listening. Yeah, right. Exactly. You listen and you write in and tell us everything we do wrong. Go ahead. Then tell your friends. Yeah. Bonnie, what the hell are you doing? How can you hear me? I'm switching positions. We've been taping for so long, I had to shift. Oh, are we boring you? <laughs> Perhaps you would like to send a negative comment into the. No, I'm enjoying it. Oh, I'm engrossed. I'm having a good time. Uh-huh. But I mm-hmm. had to shift. Rowan Rose has something to say to you, Bonnie, is all I can say. All right, Tony, step on up again. Now give us some more mailbag. Oh, fuck. Positivity edition. Well, that was way off. All right, come on, Tony. This is from Kevin S. My husband heard the vocabulary song for the first time this week. He started singing 1877 Cars for Kids along with the song, and now that's stuck in my head. 1877 Cars for Kids. KRS Cars for Kids. Now I know where I recognized young Tony from. Uh, Tony's in the Cars for Kids ad. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> She's bringing youth to the Cars for Kids ad the way she brings youth to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Paula, you were just accused of plagiarism, and you, and instead you just turn it around to take a whack at Tony. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, Tony. What else is in the mailbag? I know this is Positivity Edition. Let Paula finish. Okay. God, you are going to make a great substitute teacher someday. I'll let Russell. (laughs) When Russell decides to take his seat, we will continue. (laughs) So our friend Heidi was back. Uh, uh Uh-oh. Heidi had some words for us. Sorry, but the anal gland expression was truly disgusting. There are plenty of things about dog grooming that would be interesting to hear. Dog breeds, owners. Why are you appealing to adolescent boy tastes? Heidi. Um, Heidi, who we also call Dick Hertz. Uh, <laughs> I have zero shame about my adolescent boy taste. <laughs> Now, Heidi would have had me walk into a dog's anal glands blind. Is that what you want, (laughs) Heidi? I had never heard about this until we interviewed um, the dog groomer until Career Corner. And it really did. And I brought it up because I hear about this at the end of every dog grooming session because I have a cockapoo, so she needs to be groomed. And every once in a while, I'll read one of her little report cards and it'll say, and we expressed her anal glands. And I'm like, how? With an interpretive dance? Wow. And then, yeah. you know, after, at the end of that podcast, I, I knew the answer. And I'm kind of in Heidi's camp in that I'm not happy I know the answer. But, you know, knowledge is power. That's right. That's right, Heidi. And we've made you powerful. <laughs> well, Tony and Anita Hull, everybody, thank you. That was Mailbag. Quasi-positivity edition. All right. Thank you, Tony Nita Hall. 
Okay, hey, nobodies, good. if you have any questions or... Sorry, hey, nobodies, what? if you have any... Hey, no... <laughs> <laughs> hey, nobodies, if you have any questions or comments, drop us a line at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Uh, Paula, what you got going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, here at Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, we know it's not too early to be thinking about getting into the holiday spirit and the excitement of the Christmas rush. Fuck, if I have to listen to that Burl Ives Christmas crap again, I'm going to rip these speakers out of the wall. They started playing it back in August. Not too early at all for listeners to grab a remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirt with my self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back in baseball and standard styles. For a friend or loved one, you can grab it from the store at paulapoundstone.com. You can also add my social justice rap song, Not My Butterfinger, to your playlist or get the Not My Butterfinger ringtone for your phone from the store at paulapoundstone.com. You can also click on the tour page at paulapoundstone.com to get tickets to see my live shows in Thousand Oaks, California, Friday, November 5th at the Civic Arts Plaza, or in Alexandria, Virginia, November 19th, 20th, and 21st at the Birchmere, or in Sellersville, Pennsylvania, Thursday, November 18th at Sellersville Theater, 1894. Come vaccinated and masked for a night that is just plain fun. There is so much more to tell you, and I would like to talk about dogs' anal glands, but Heidi. <laughs> yeah. Heidi, don't go to the birch mirror because Paula's doing her anal gland set there. And you know what you can do without a vaccination or a mask, if you're so inclined? You can read my new book, Paula. As Miss Nancy uh, alluded to, there's Confessions of a Puppet Master. comes out in just about two weeks or so. But it's not for second graders. I mean, that's the thing. It's not for second graders. I, I wasn't suggesting that. No, it's definitely not for second graders. This, is, this guy made gory B movies. Yeah, that's not for second graders. I don't know why but you would be shilling that. To a second grade teacher, that's that. You know what? It's up to you. You do. You do what you do. Okay. Okay. Uh, again, I wasn't. Subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> it's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to know about, tell us. We're at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. and that, ladies and germs, is our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam LaFelber. Special thanks to our guest, Doctor Hillary Cash. Yeah. Yeah. And to our. And to our house band, Kathleen Strom. Yeah. Yeah. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Starbridge production by Land Romo, Kyle McGraw, and Aristotle Acevedo. Poundstone Industries production by Vic Lowry. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? I'd like to do a brief interpretive dance in which I express an anal land. I don't see how you could interview someone who does such a gross thing without bringing it up. She said it first, by the way. You know, I don't know. I don't... You know what? Maybe what we should do is when we come to something that we think will be objectionable to Heidi, 
we should say, like, before we should go, this yeah. is we a Heidi have a, alert. We should have a, speci- yes, a specific Heidi trigger warning. You're absolutely right. Exactly. Warning, Heidi, this might trigger you. This is a Heidi alert. So so here's how yeah. it will go. We'd go. We'd go like, this is a Heidi alert. And then we'd go, um, yeah. uh, uh, well, thanks for being here. Because you see, everything upsets Heidi. Do you see what I'm saying? Not everything. I mean, there's a there's a kind of a big range between everything and expressing dogs' anal glands. Not if you're a dog. Scarpins Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.